I'm Teffer. And I'm Eunice. Welcome to Yeah, a show where we talk about young adult lit and what it can teach us at any age. This is our book club and you're invited. Yeah! Yeah. Before we get started, we're going to take the time to acknowledge that the studio where we record is situated within the traditional and unsurrendered territories of the Ganyangahaga First Nations. As settlers, it's important that we remember that the lands we occupy are not our own and that we engage in conversations that challenge the ever-present colonial mindset. This month, we have a kind of special opportunity to do that. Um, We are going to be reading books by indigenous authors exclusively in the month of November. We're very excited about this opportunity. Some of them are, you know, indigenous books that are specifically about indigenous history and experience, and some of them are just books that are (laughs) by indigenous authors, but we're really excited to get started. So this week, we're starting it off with Hearts Unbroken by Cynthia Lytic-Smith. Cynthia Lytic-Smith has written a lot of books, but this is the first one that I have read by her. Uh, and I really liked it. And Eunice, this was your recommendation, I think. It won an award, like one of the awards that um, ALA, the American Library Association, um, does. And um, I've seen it like floating around the library, and I was really excited because it was like a contemp- like YA contemporary with a romance, and you know how much we like those. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah, it, it's really fun. It's a really fun contemporary romance. Um, and I'm glad that I get to talk about it with you because we're like, I feel like the resident contemporary romance nerds <laughs> on the show. This book is about Louise, a teenager who has just moved to Kansas from Texas, though her family originally is from Oklahoma. They're part of the Muscogee Creek Nation. Uh, her family has moved to Kansas because her mom is going to law school. And I, I have to shout out, like, I always love a little, like, parent changing career storyline we got that in um charming is a verb by ben philippe as well and i really like that um and her little brother is a freshman she's she's a senior or is she a junior i don't remember she's like somewhere she's like higher end of high school junior prom right yes so is it still the same year well it's fall so it must be the next the the next year yeah we get so so um we do get her summer. She talks about being yeah. in Oklahoma over the summer. Mm-hmm. Right, so, right, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's her senior year. So she's starting her senior year. Her little brother is starting his freshman year, and he decides to try out for the school play, which is um, The Wizard of Oz. And it's the first year that, you know, the school play is casting people who aren't white, and they kind of make a big deal about it, and then that causes a big mess. And Louise, who is on the school paper, ends up very kind of embroiled in that, not only because her little brother is in the play, but because she's on the school paper. There's also a romance with a guy named Joey, and it's real cute, and I'm going to have plenty to say about it. So one thing, like, right off the bat that I super appreciated about this book is the writing style. I always find it really exciting when there's a contemporary romance that does something like fresh with the writing style um, because there is a sort of go-to writing style and it's always fun to read a contemporary romance that's written in that and written in that well. But it's also really fun to see somebody try something new and, and have it really work. And I found that this book was written very journalistically 
which at first I wasn't sure about. And then as soon as I figured out that like Louise is a journalist, I was like, no, 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 this makes sense. This is like how she sees the world. Um, And I think it's extremely effective. Like there's it's it goes very fast. So like when we were trying to figure out which school year it is, it's because there's like a blink and you'll miss it. Summer mm-hmm. break. Like the summer break is not the focus on this of the story. So you just kind of slide through it uh, because the focus is on the action and the facts. And I think what I like best about the writing style is that like she doesn't do the work for you. So she'll she'll just like put somebody's quote out there and let it be juxtaposed with their actions and and just let that happen and let the reader kind of do the work of like putting it together which i think is really cool like i'm thinking of she at some point she interviews the school vp who's like uh talking about how you know they shouldn't cast people of color in the school play and he says like soon we'll be outnumbered that's scary and she says like why is it scary and he says no comment and that's just like where she ends the chapter Mm-hmm. And that's really cool. She doesn't spend time going, and that made me feel this way, or I felt this way, or I like thought about this. It's just everything is just kind of put out there for you, which for me was very exciting. Like, I feel like it's a writing style that I haven't seen too much in novels in general, and especially in YA novel. Um, and I thought it was really cool, and I thought it was very effective for this story in particular. Yeah, it definitely does something for the pacing of the book, right? Mm-hmm. Um, where, like, I think sometimes why, like, sometimes with contemporary YA, it's or just any YA um, book, it's just it's easy to get bogged down in details about like the world building, right? And sometimes that kind of overtakes the like action of the plot or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's always like refreshing to see when when like the author knows like what um, she wants to do and then just kind of like lays it all out um, and we're not bogged down by like details. So the other, another thing that I really like about the way this book is written, and this is just like a personal preference thing, but I really like it when the main character in a book uh, is a secondary character in the main conflict of the book. It's like a bit, it's like I was like trying to think of a, a simpler way to say that and I couldn't. So like the main character of the story is Louise and the main conflict of the story is people getting freaked out that there is uh, specifically a black girl playing Dorothy in The Wizard of Oz and then they get mad at all the other students of color who are in the play as well. And Louise is only personally tied to it by her little brother being in the play. And I really like kind of, well, and by her being on the school paper, but I really like that that the conflict isn't directly on her. Like she's getting fallout of it, but she's not at the center of it. I think that gives a really fresh angle on the conflict and on kind of the whole image. And I think it really boosts her kind of status as a very observant narrator, a narrator who's really telling a story. Again, the journalistic Mm -hmm. Uh, aspect of the story because a journalist can't write a story about themselves so I feel like this journalist this main character could not write this story in this style if she was right in the center of it and I really like that I mean obviously then the romance she's not writing about journalistically and she can be in the center Mm -hmm. of that and that's Mm -hmm. really fun but I liked that a lot 
I like um, YA that ha- like the character is the like is works for the school paper. I feel like that happens and is like a trope in YA too. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you also get kind of the action of uh, what's happening in the story through the different like newspaper articles that they write, um, and that happens in this book too. I just love that because because it's, it's so like it's so high school. Right. Mm -hmm. To have that um, the girl who or the guy who is like on the school paper and like um, has has a lot of opinions. Right. And Mm -hmm. I think Louise is one of those people that has a lot of opinions, like very sure of herself in in that way, where it's like, I'm going to be writing the I'm going to cover this story. Yeah. You know. And so I like that. I saw that in this book. Absolutely. Yeah. It's fun for me. So I sometimes have a little bit of trouble um, getting into school paper (laughs) books. And like I had that trouble with like um, Gilmore Girls as well, just because Mm -hmm. I'm not a journalist and I was never on a school. Did we have a school? I was trying to remember. Did we like I don't know if I don't think our school had a school paper. No, not I think we dabbled at some point, but it never really took off in a real way. Yeah, like I think I wrote something for the yearbook one time because nobody Mm -hmm. else wanted to cover theater. But so for (laughs) me, because I don't have like a a personal connection to that experience, Mm -hmm. I need there to be more of a hook. And this just had it. Like this just got me Mm -hmm. in. Um, And I mean, that might be because I like reading good journalism and this reads like Mm -hmm. good journalism. Yeah. And I also like that it's really clear throughout that she wants to write big stories and keeps mm-hmm. kind of get getting shunted off to smaller stories. Because again, I feel like a lot of the time when we do see the the main character in the book doing the school newspaper or the play or whatever, mm-hmm. they're often like they've just gotten an editorial position at the paper or (laughs) they got the lead in the musical or like the second to lead or Mm -hmm. something and again like she's just a beat reporter on the school paper Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. that's fun as well like I like that she she doesn't have even a little bit of like exceptionalism about her Mm -hmm. she's not in any way a chosen one she really is just a student in the school which is fun like we don't always get that it's it's new and it's fresh and it's cool mm-hmm. yeah I think I'm gonna start with the, with the approach to the romance so I mean I guess the like you break up with a boyfriend at the beginning of the book and then meet another boy that is like a trope in YA romance a like respectable yeah you respectable trope. The, and then the new guy comes along and he's so much better than the old guy yeah mm-hmm. Though I have to confess, Joey had to work to grow on me. Joey mm-hmm. grew on me, but kind of at the beginning of the book, I was like, what do you see in him, Louise? <laughs> He's like so cocky. He's so arrogant. And he just seems kind of boring. But he grew on me, which is, again, you know, I'm probably going to go through that experience with my kids at some point as well. Um, so I might as well get used to it. So she breaks up with her boyfriend, who is like the big guy on campus he like does football he's very rich his name is cam she said he's like six foot five that really (laughs) stood out to me i feel like usually the tall hot guys are six three (laughs) specifically six three i feel like six three is i think six three is like universally hot guy height (laughs) 
<laughs> I mean, not like universally in the world, but I feel like in the world of like romance and YA, when there's like specifically a tall, hot guy, he's 6'3". Am I making that up? <laughs> I This is the first time hearing about really? it. So. Okay. <laughs> Maybe I'm just like... I mean, I'm so short that, like, I don't even really care about, like, if you're over six foot, like, okay, you're you're tall, we get it. Well, as I mean, as a fellow shorty, I, I agree with that. <laughs> From my perspective, I just feel like I see six foot three a lot in terms of, like, hunky. Anyway, Cam is just, like, a giant. He's just a lanky celery boy. He's huge. He's enormous. And uh, he says something really shitty about his brother's girlfriend. Mm -hmm. And, like, specifically about her being uh, Kickapoo Indian. And Mm -hmm. is like, oh, she's, like... She already has a baby and she works in a coffee pot, coffee shop. She works in a coffee pot, inside a coffee pot. She works at a coffee shop and, like, she's Kickapoo Indian. So, like, you know who what she's like. Yeah. And uh, they're also, like, suggesting that, like, she's working in the coffee shop to, like, I don't know. Like, she's, like, yeah, to- she's working in the coffee shop. So she's obviously with my brother for the money. Yeah. She's, like, why would yeah. she be working there if not to hit on college guys? College guys, yeah. Mm-hmm. And and Louise is, like, uh, maybe it's convenient to where she lives or she, like, likes interacting it's with the public job. or she loves coffee <laughs> or, like, she's putting herself through college. And yeah. then he responds to that with, my mom says Kickapoo sounds like a dog. and yeah. And she's just, like fuck this essentially and like storms <laughs> off and goes home and breaks up with him by email i mean I they, they fight more than that oh no yeah, and then, no, yeah i think i do have to say like that it's just i thought it was like there there was kind of like no drama to it like we don't get her like i think i thought it was refreshing that she didn't like hem and haw about it yeah. she just like was like nope we're done yeah 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 okay and oh, and that he really he nice also he tries to excuse himself by saying he's Cherokee on his mom's side. Oh my god! And she's yeah. like, really? What? Exa- which exact relative of yours was Cherokee? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and she's just like, okay, I'm done. Like, I'm not gonna date this guy. Yeah. Yes, and I agree. Like, I really appreciate. She really knows her own mind. She is mm-hmm. extremely confident, kind of in mm-hmm. every aspect of her life. Which is very cool to see. And I like that she never really, like, she doesn't regret it. She doesn't question herself. She, -hmm. like, acknowledges when it's hard for her. And she acknowledges that sometimes she wants to, like, contact him again or whatever. Yeah. But she's never like, oh, maybe I shouldn't have broken up with him. She's always just like, no, that is a hard boundary for me. That, like, I'm, I'm not going to be with somebody who doesn't get that my heritage is something I'm proud of mm-hmm. and and I mean not even just that it's something that I'm who doesn't respect you know my family and the people I am from do you get the sense that like that because she kind of went through this with Cam that she like brings that in to the next relationship though like as in she's now a little more wary about like maybe the pitfalls like when it happens like even though she was like even though she's sure of herself like she wasn't really like anticipating that from a boyfriend and and then this happened and now she's like okay like I need to be aware of this now I I think so in a big way and well I mean when we see the like big drama between her and Joey later 
it's absolutely central to like the big conflict that always happens in a YA romance in a romance really mm-hmm. um is that she ha- she carries that fear from her relationship with Cam into her relationship with Joey and yeah that is a place where we see her confidence falter a little bit we see her confidence waver because she really likes Joey mm-hmm. and she's worried that if she brings it up with him like she knows what her boundary is now and she's mm-hmm. afraid to find out if this guy she really likes is going to respect it, which is super relatable. But that kind of brings up the other like storyline, which I think is maybe the strongest storyline in the book, which is the storyline of Louise learning more about herself, which is kind of a tepid way to say it. But she starts to kind of recognize and own how her confidence and her like decision making Like, she really knows what works for her and what doesn't, and she's very quick to say, okay, this isn't working for me, and just kind of, like, stop it and and move on. I feel like she's an Aries. Um, But she she has to, like, recognize how that hurts people sometimes, Mm -hmm. and, like, where she needs to consider... I want to say, like, how sharply she's drawing her boundaries. Like, there are places where she needs to recognize this is a boundary for me and it's okay to have that boundary and maintain that boundary. Mm-hmm. But I I need to be a little more gentle about how I'm <laughs> establishing it. Like, yeah. I don't have to be any less firm, but I do have to be, like, a little bit nicer. Mm-hmm. Um, and she kind of, she recognizes that in all of the major relationships she has. What I like that she carries from her relationship with Cam to her relationship with Joey, she doesn't just carry that baggage. She also finally at one point goes, oh, I'm doing the same thing with Joey that I did with Cam. Mm -hmm. And like, yes, Cam and I were not a good match and we were like inevitably going to break up. But if I carry the same behavior, Joey and I are inevitably going to break up because this behavior is not good. And she she really like reckons with that. And she rec- she has to reckon with it with her best friend Shelby, who like they're hitting kind of a snag because Shelby has to work really hard. And Louise is kind of like, well, you're always working and you're never there for me and you're not paying attention and there's so much going on in my life. And Shelby is finally like, well, you're never here for me. <laughs> and like, there's a lot going on in my life. And... Um, this is one of the moments where I feel like the journalistic writing style really, really shone because they're having this fight and uh, Louise realizes, oh, yeah. And like the only time I get to talk to her is when she's driving me to and from school. Um, and she just says that she doesn't have any moment of like self-consciousness around that. Mm-hmm. But it's such a good moment of, OK, let's unpack that for a minute. <laughs> Like Shelby, who is working and in school and driving Louise to and from school and listening to Louise talk about herself two times a day and then, you know, going to her job. Like, it's just such a good moment of just kind of dropping that detail in there um, in a in a self-conscious way, but not in a like really unpacked, elaborate way that mm-hmm. I thought worked so well. But yeah, like there's just there's this little storyline where Louise just has to figure out that she's kind of being a dick (laughs) and and she has to learn how not to be a dick and she has to apologize for being a dick and like not just to people who she has only wronged. But like that's the other nice thing is that in all of these relationships, the conflicts are nuanced. 
in all of these relationships, everybody has done something that they shouldn't have. Everybody has something to apologize for. And she, her, her good boundaries come into play because she's able to say, I have to apologize for this, but you shouldn't have done this, uh, which is excellent conflict resolution. And I like that a lot. I like seeing excellent conflict resolution modeled in a young adult book. Yeah, that's, I think that's what like teens need to read in a book, right? Like, it's just like, not only the getting to know yourself more and like figuring out who you are and you're like, um, kind of like the ways that um, you kind of mess up in your relationships, but also like the like really safe and um, healthy resolution of that. Exactly. Yeah. And that kind of brings me to like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm going to give spoilers in this one. I don't think this is, <laughs> well, let me, okay, let me just check when this was released. That's going to decide whether I'm going to be spoilery with it. It came out in 2018, so I'm going to give spoilers. So Louise and Joey, Joey is on the school paper. Louise and Joey date for a little bit. It's really, they start dating with very little fanfare, which I think is Mm -hmm. kind of fun. It's really just kind of like, my main focus is on this story, but also we started dating. But, you know, like. (laughs) I think it's just very much the style of writing in this book, right? It's just like, we're gonna, I'm gonna focus on the things that like. I want you to focus on mm-hmm. and like you can kind of fill in the blanks along the way mm-hmm. it's kind of fun yeah exactly it's it's very fun and I think that's maybe what made me what made Joey grow on me slowly mm-hmm. um because there's an element of kind of Louise acknowledging from the beginning like oh he's cute and like <laughs> I like him because he's cute and then she just kind of files that And then their relationship just kind of grows off to the side for a while (laughs) until it becomes a story, right? And once there's a Mm -hmm. story there, she starts to focus on it more. So we don't really get a focus on that until she's like, hmm, might be something here. (laughs) Like, let's start, like, you know, getting getting narratives around it. Mm-hmm. Which is, it's fun. It's fun to see it built that way. But okay, I love, I love the way the conflict gets introduced. I love it. And it's just like, it's such a truly human conflict in that everybody gets messy. And it would have been really easily glo- like smoothed over from the beginning if they both just like sat the conversation out, but they don't because they're teenagers. Um, which is like, I just, I love it when it's so, I've probably said this enough on this show, but I love it when it's just really obvious that like a conversation can resolve this and the whole problem is that you're not having the conversation. Right. Once they've been dating for a while, Louise kind of panics because she's like, I've never specifically like quote unquote come out to him as Mm -hmm. Creek and I like... I need to find out. It's like that thing of like her carrying the baggage from Cam. I need to to mm-hmm. find out if he's going to surprise me by being really shitty about it. And I need to find that out now because I want to have sex with him. And I don't <laughs> want to have sex with him if he is then going to be shitty with me <laughs> um, about my heritage. Makes sense. And because she puts all this pressure on herself... Mm-hmm. Um, because she's like really wants to have sex with him. She like builds this up into this like very big deal and ends up just blurting out a bunch of very offensive stereotypes about Middle Eastern people 
and Joey is is half Lebanese and he's like why are you saying a bunch of so like she gets so nervous about it that she ends up doing to him exactly the thing she's worried that he Mm -hmm. will do to her um and he does exactly what she does he just like He's just like, I'm going to stop you right there and leaves and doesn't talk to her for weeks, which is exactly what she did with Cam. And it's just, it's funny. It's a funny breakup. And she keeps like trying to get him to talk to her, but he's not answering any of her texts. And like, there's this brilliant moment where she like toils all night over a handwritten letter, which like, so high school, so many of those in my past. But she like toils, toils over this letter, trying to get it absolutely perfect, slips it into his locker and like waits to see him pull it out, right? And he looks at the signature and rips it into pieces <laughs> without even looking at it. <laughs> yeah. And it's just like, oh my God. But also I remember those feelings. I mean, yeah. frankly, I think there are adults who still get those feelings. Like, the, mm-hmm. it's, it's, I mean, maybe not the letter in the locker thing doesn't happen as adults. but and, and what I love is that then when they finally, finally start to talk about it during a turkey trot, during a hurricane. <laughs> tornado. Um, tornado, yeah, during a tornado, <laughs> right. Which, of course, as soon as, they're, as soon as that showed up, I was like, of course, in this book that is heavily... Kansas. Yeah, heavily Kansas, heavily Wizard of Oz. Of Wizard course, of Oz. a tornado is coming to the party. Um, but when they finally talk about it, it's just cleared up so quickly. Because she's like, yeah, like, this is why I messed up. I was super nervous that when you found out that I'm Muskogee, you would, like, be shitty about it and I would have to break up with you and I really want to have sex with you. And he's like, wait a minute, we're having sex now? um and then like what i love is that he's like louise i have met your family i've been to your house like i i i I know (laughs) i i knew like i didn't know that you were specifically muskogee but like your mom has a ton of indigenous history books on the shelf and like right. you know I've seen the beadwork and like I've yeah. met your dad and like like yes you're you're clearly clearly yeah. indigenous <laughs> and also like there's been all this reporting in the school newspaper about her brother right like <laughs> and so she just kind of has to be like oh and it's it's just it's funny and it's human and it's nice because it's not a place where one or the other of them has to do some groveling apology. They just have to talk through it. And then they each have things to apologize for. And then it's okay. And it segues into like one of the best written sex scenes I've ever read in in a young adult novel. <laughs> uh, I just have to shout that out like it's really really well done um, and mm-hmm. it's like responsible and they talk about birth control and like yeah. they don't have a condom so they do other stuff and it's like just like very responsibly well yeah. written and it's also hot and it's nice to see that yeah how refreshing is that to see that yeah and I mean like I love that they, they don't have a condom so they do other stuff but they still like they have sex like they that's that. that's the yeah. language they Absolutely. use like and that yeah. I really appreciate and again mm-hmm. it's something that is not made a big deal of mm-hmm. um it's something that's just written um <laughs> but it's there and that's nice like that that's yeah. that's refreshing and yeah 
Yeah, another thing I really appreciate about this book, kind of going off of what you were saying about things are just written, they're on the page, um, is that I feel like so much of like her culture and her background, the way that she uses the language, is it's written and it's there, it's on the page. Um, And it's like up to the reader to kind of like, access that like there's a glossary in the back like but like you kind of just get what's on the page and I like love that about like an own voices book you know agreed yeah and I love that that's something that like again it's I mean it's it's exactly what you're saying it's not something that's made a big deal of but she and her brother are both learning Muskogee I'm so sorry if I'm getting that pronunciation wrong um and they have like an app in books and they're learning it and they're starting to use it with each other but it's not like a huge like it's not phrased as some kind of like I wanted to discover my heritage so I did this bit it's just like they just decided Mm -hmm. to do it and they're doing it and I do again like that kind of brings me back again to the like she's not necessarily always the the like protagonist in the story I feel like that was something that was more Huey's initiative that she's like Mm -hmm. doing with them as a fun sibling thing yeah and oh man I love their relationship so (laughs) much I love their sibling relationship it is Mm -hmm. it's so good it's yeah they just obviously really care about each other mm-hmm. and like really enjoy spending time together. They each have their own stuff going on, but they like talk to each other and he, like like Louise is the one that Huey comes to when he mm-hmm. is starting to realize that he doesn't want to be in the the play yeah. and he's feeling really torn up about it. Yeah, I love a good like fleshed out like family relationship in a contemporary YA. Cause like that's just so real. Like, like when like characters kind of exist outside of their family, like it just feels like very like I don't know. Like n- the story's not all there, you know? Yeah. So. Well, because when you're a teenager, for the most part, like obviously there are teenagers whose whose families aren't super present, but for most teenagers, their families are the most significant part of their life and like your relationship with with your parents or parental figures is huge and relationship with siblings and it influences so much of like who you are at school as well like even if you're a Mm -hmm. different character at school than you are at home it's like it's yeah you have to I feel like you whenever there's a book that doesn't have that relationship touched on I feel like I can't quite access the character Mm -hmm. yeah so the other thing, and that kind of comes in with talking about Huey, actually, the hate mail that uh, Louise's family and the other families of the, the students of color who are in the play receive says, there's no place like home, go back where you came from. And the narrative, there's kind of two streams of, of narrative of the people who are protesting there being anybody who's not white in the play. One of the streams of narrative comes from parents against revisionist theater. <laughs> who are saying, you know, well, this, this show was written for white students and uh, white actors. And if this was a production of The Wiz and we were casting white people in it, you would protest. So... Mm-hmm. Um, you know, this should be all white, which is obviously the bullshit facade argument. 
over the other stream of argument, which is Kansas is a white place. (laughs) Anybody who is not white in Kansas is not really from Kansas. And the journalistic style of this book really shines when, and I keep saying that exact phrase, I'm sorry, but I really like it. <laughs> um, because often, I've I noticed through this book, often as soon as somebody's said something like that, as soon as there's been a quote about, well, why shouldn't it be white? It's based in Kansas. Very shortly after, Louise will make a comment about her family being from Oklahoma originally from Oklahoma (laughs) and I think again like this this connection is never made explicitly but it's just I just love that juxtaposition that happens over and over and over again Kansas is white well I mean is it (laughs) (laughs) and and you know getting the message of there's no place like home go back where you came from okay well we came from the next state over and, and I like the added element of them having just recently moved to Kansas from Texas, mm-hmm. but originally being from Oklahoma. Like, that's, yeah. yeah. There is so much history just woven into this book. Mm-hmm. And like you said, like, it, it is not, the book is not here to teach people about Indigenous history. Yeah. I mean, the that's the thing about, like, authors who write, for a particular audience, right? Like this book, you could say it was like written, like for the uh, for the author to be like, hey, like these are stories that matter, and like somebody who is from that background could easily just be like see themselves in it. It's like, I mean, I think it's like how I feel when I read some like some a, bo- a YA book written by like a Korean author, right, or a Korean American author. It's like I don't need need this explained to me. Obviously, I understand. Like, I understand the nuances. I understand that. And, like, and there's a difference between a book written about my culture from somebody who's trying so hard Mm -hmm. to be, like, I understand it. Like, do you understand it? Like, I'm spelling it all out for you. And it feels so inauthentic. And, Mm -hmm. like, someone from that background could read it and is, like, uh, I'm not connecting with anything here. Like, I know, like, I know what this book should feel like, and this is not it. Yeah. Um. So I think, like, that's what the difference is of, like, an author who knows their audience and is writing to that audience, and, like, other people can kind of come in and experience the book, but, like, maybe you're not the it- intended audience. Exactly. And actually, um... I like that uh, Cynthia Lytic-Smith actually addresses that in the author's note at the end. And she like she she says that the things that happened like are, are not fully communicated. They're referenced in passing as Louise is processing them in the moment. I strongly encourage readers to seek out official tribal websites and nonfiction by Native and First Nations authors for more information. Yeah. Uh, so she just kind of says like, yeah, I didn't give the full history here. But it's out there. You can find it if you're interested. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. And yeah, I'm just thinking like how freeing is it for the author, right? To write a story like that and Mm -hmm. just be like, I don't have to explain everything to you. And you you as a reader, if you're confused, you can do the work to kind of fill in the gaps, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Like, and I can, 
I, as the author, can write it however I want to write it. Exactly. Yeah, it's it's a it's a lived experience, and I so appreciated reading a like American YA contemporary romance that is about, in part, white so- uh, um, sorry white supremacy in the United States, but is not written from an immigrant point of view. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Because it's an angle that just doesn't get written. Like there are so. Or I shouldn't say it should, doesn't get written. It's a it's an angle that doesn't get um, publicized widely because yeah. I'm sure there are actually quite a lot of young adult novels by Indigenous authors that either didn't get published because they weren't sensationalized enough or got published by small presses and not widely mm-hmm. circulated. And uh, just going to put it out there. If you know of one of those, please send it our way. We um, have really struggled to find as much Indigenous representation in YA Lit as we do other forms of representation and really, really want to increase that. (laughs) So please do send us uh, titles. We read Indigenous authors in other months too. Yeah, it was just very refreshing. And it's really good to remember that what we call North America was not originally white. Like I'm willing to say I'm willing to say that Canada and the United States exist as white nations, but you also have to acknowledge that they exist as very young white nations mm-hmm. that kind of have no business. Well, not kind of mm-hmm. that have no business mm-hmm. being here. <laughs> and for anybody who's like, what do you mean by that? I will echo what Cynthia Latex Smith says and say seek out official tribal websites and nonfiction by native and first nations authors and actually the last book that we're going to review this month is a very good resource for that it is a uh, series a graphic novel a collection of graphic novellas about the history of this land written by indigenous authors and i'm so excited to get into it that's just a little sneak peek (laughs) this book was delightful this book surprised me in the very best way. Yeah. Like it really it really feels like a book that I did not know I was looking for. Mm-hmm. But it just was so satisfying to read it. The ways things get resolved is really exciting to me. The way like it's a happy ending and it's a very satisfying ending. I really recommend reading it. It's Hearts Unbroken by Cynthia Lytic Smith. I really, really recommend reading it. I'm absolutely going to look up her other books. I know she's written some fantasy, which I'm sure is very cool. I would be yeah. so happy to just like read all of spend <laughs> and, a, spend a month just reading her books. We've never done that, but we can do that. Yeah, and some interesting news um, related. I think she just started an imprint with a major publishing company um, <gasps> called Heart Drum. And I think it's gonna be publishing indigenous authors. So there may be more along the way of kind of like indigenous books in like mainstream publishing. That is so, that's so gonna be good something to know. To look out for. I'm yeah. I'm gonna write some emails this weekend. <laughs> I I forget which major publishing company it is, but it is gonna be like it's an imprint of one of those. Um, I'm I'm sure if I look up Heart Drum yeah. or look up her yeah. name, uh, mm-hmm. it won't be hard to find. Well, that's so exciting. That's yeah. so exciting because it I really. I think there's a cool fantasy one coming out. Cool. Um, as part of their like first few book releases, I think it's gonna come out in the winter some point. 
Oh, I'm more excited about this than I have been about book yeah. news in a long time. This is yeah. really exciting. Really exciting. Oh, I can't wait. Something that we want to review. Um, I'm, I'm going to email them and be like, please send us all of your arcs and we will review every single one. I promise. I'm so excited about this. That is yeah. so cool. So cool. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I also just wanted to, to put it out there that like we would also be really interested in reading Indigenous lit from Australian Indigenous authors. At least I would. <laughs> um, so if anybody has recommendations for that, please send it along as well. Thanks for listening to Yeah! If you want to leave feedback, suggest a book for us to read, or just say hi, send us an email at theyapodcast at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at yapodcast and individually... Uh, I'm at Teffer Bear. And I'm on Instagram at The Less Unicorn Reads a Book. That's unicorn with an E. If you like the show and want to help us make it even better, consider supporting us on Patreon. We have also, I made a commitment last week that if we double our Patreon support uh, by the end of 2020, so if we have 16 patrons um, by the end of 2020, we will do an entire series of just like informative history posts uh, about witches or whatever else you want us to do. Um, and we actually already have a new patron this week. So now Yay! we only need seven more patrons by the end of 2020, which I think is doable. You can pledge at any level, uh, $1 and up. Um, there's like video, there's like one video episode. We'll probably do more of those. And there's a lot of other really good perks. So. You can get all kinds of great perks, like the aforementioned video episode, um, early access to bonus content, shout-outs, guest appearances. You get our reading schedule in advance so you can plan out your reading for the month uh, to keep up with us, and more. You can head to patreon.com slash yapodcast to donate. Shout-out to our patrons, Kat McGuire, Lizzie Tenhove, Erica Stitchberry, Catherine Reshi, Chantal Thomas, Matt Dever, Megan Jane, Emily Patton, and our newest patron of all... Emmett Cameron, we love you guys. Thank you so much for your support. We have merch. Hit the merch link in the description of this episode to get some from the fine folks over at Tee Public. You can also always support us for free by leaving a rating and review on Stitcher or Apple Podcasts, subscribing to Spotify, subscribing to us on Spotify, and by sharing this episode with a friend. Uh, maybe a friend who, I don't know, likes contemporary YA romance or The Wizard of Oz. Special thanks to Great Bear for letting us use their song Jenny's Groove as our theme music. You can find their music for sale at greatbearmusic.bandcamp.com. This episode was produced by Tepper Ajemian, that's me, and edited by Tom Zalatni as part of the Upward Network. You can find out about all the great shows on our network, including one or two new shows, at upwardnetwork.com. Hi there, I'm Nick Hughes, the son. And I am James Hughes, the father. Together, we co-host Canada's Young Leaders, a podcast exploring bold ideas for our country's future. Our third and final season focuses specifically on climate change, how we got here, and where we need to go. We'll be speaking with young environmental leaders about the roles of governments, corporations, and individuals in combating this crisis, and also thinking about the role of the COVID-19 pandemic in the climate movement. So, if you're someone who is concerned about climate change and wants to learn more, check out Canada's Young Leaders, a very proud member of the Upford Network. Hi, I'm Howard Mitnick, host of Gateway Music. Join me as I talk with people about the artists and albums that changed their lives and about the artists and albums that changed mine. Available on the Upford Network and wherever you get your podcasts.